You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint. Because Black girls did it first. And honestly, better. Period. Period. Welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fave podcast for all the Gen Z Black Girl tea. My name's Lauren. And my name is McKean, and thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a really dope conversation lined up with our amazing guest, Miss Zoli Griggs. We're going to talk about the entertainment world. We're going to talk about like what it's like to be an actress and also just other tea and things that are happening in the world. So we're really excited about that. Yes, we are huge Zoli Greg stands over here. So, Zoli, why don't you like introduce yourself a little bit, let everybody get to know you, you know? Yes. Hi, everyone, and thank you, ladies, for having me on the show. I feel honored. Um, I'm Zoli. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm 23 years old, and I'm waiting for the pandemic to end. <laughs> but I you are, you know. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well. I'm feeling good despite everything that's going on. That's good. That's, that's good. What's up? For anybody who might not know you, where might people have seen you before? Because we know you're, you know, an actress or whatever. We love that for you. So let the people know. Plug yourself real quick. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's hard sometimes to, to humble brag. But um, I was on the <laughs> Wu-Tang American Saga. You know, we got the first season on Hulu right now. Um, I've been on Ballers. I have an indie movie yes. out called Bit that's super amazing and super awesome. It's about like Ooh. a girl group of vampires. Period. Um, and let's <laughs> you know, you know, you can check out the IMDb if you want. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the Read the Room, Lauren. What we got going on today? Mm-hmm. So, right. So for anyone who might be new here, just a little bit of an explanation. This is a segment we like to do at the beginning of every episode where we just chat a little bit about some of our thoughts, honestly, on what's going on in pop culture, personal lives. We'll definitely be responding to any questions or topics that the listeners send in. So today we thought it would be funny to talk a little about the Ellen controversy that's going mm. on, which I think is absolutely hilarious. I think honestly. it's the funny, it's the tweets a lot. Yeah, Twitter is always funny. Honestly, cracking me up. Honestly, Twitter is taking running with this. So anyone who doesn't know the controversy, Ellen's been kind of going through it because apparently her workplace is really toxic, which she probably is to blame for. But like she's kind of been like, oh, I didn't know. But anyways, what we'd want to really focus on rather than the controversy is there's this one tweet that was like, which black woman would you like to see replace Ellen as like a major talk Mm -hmm. show host? So that's what we're going to be chatting about. We have a lot of like, we have some current ones, but like, you know, there's, we could, there's definitely some like work that can be done in the talk show host to like see black girls thrive. So for sure. So who would you like to see Zoli? Would you kick us off? Who would you imagine as like your dream black girl talk show host? I think even though I think she has her own, she might have her own talk show or she might be a guest, but I think Kiki Palmer is a great candidate. She's she's Mm -hmm. intelligent. She, you know, she can kind of do it all. I also Mm -hmm. saw somebody suggest Tabitha Brown. I love Miss Tabitha Brown. I think she would be great. Period. Mm -hmm. Informative, food-wise. And she's a mother, so, you know, she's going to have, like, a new perspective for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And lastly, 
Tiffany Polar, they all go Sam, it's New York. Oh, <laughs> Why did you take my top three? Literally, right? those were our, our top three picks. Those are the ones we put, period. But that's how you know that they're good picks. Exactly. Mm. But there was the tweet that said, like, Tabitha Brown needs, like, a daytime, like, mm-hmm. feel good, maybe, like, a, a cooking show or, like, exactly. something like that. Mm. And then we want Tiffany for, like, the nighttime show where she's just, like, yes. breaking it down, unfiltered, hilarious. Exactly. That's what we love. A small part of me wants, like, a a girl talk show host. Like, we've never seen, like, not kids, but, you know, like, That's teens true. as talk show hosts. Like, I would love to see Marce Martin as a talk mm. show host. Like, maybe throw China Ann McClain in yes. there, throw, like, Yar Shahidi in there. That would just be, like, a view, but for yeah. the girls, you know? Like a little Gen Z talk show host. That'd be cute. Mm-hmm. We're here for it. We're here for it. I'm here for it. How about you, Lauren? I think those are my topics, too, honestly. I think definitely maybe, like, a Marseille Martin with, like, maybe, like, a Sky Jackson collab. I feel like the two of them could be cute on a show together. Same thing said Chad McLean, the Disney girls. Maybe, I don't know, but I feel like Yara Shahidi, Normani. I want to say I want Rihanna on a talk show. I don't think she would, I don't know if she would do it, but if Rihanna did right. a talk show, you that would change things. Everybody's tuning in. So, Absolutely. Everybody would be tuning into that one. For real. But with what you were talking about before with the talk show host for young people, I think definitely something that we should talk about is how Netflix announced that some of our fave childhood shows are coming back onto their mm. platform. So I think that's worth mentioning. Sister, Sister was my show. What were y'all watching? Honestly, this binging of Moesha has like made me forgive Netflix for taking off a different world. And like, I just feel like this was like, you know, the golden age in black TV in so many ways. Like, I don't even know if I was actually watching them when they were running, but I know I watched all them reruns and like, it's just kind of been like taking me back to like, wow, like, I don't think we, even though we have blackish, you know, we have some attempts, but we don't really have like that, range of just like black youth and black families on tv right now in that way you know what i mean like in a way that felt natural and not like out of touch so that's been a joy i think my favorite like like i said a different world in moesha were probably my top two 90s black tv shows honestly they take the cake those were mine it was only what were your fave shows at that time honestly that's a raven which i guess it's not 90s but it was early 2000s like was i yeah, yeah. watched every episode and it's on disney plus so i still am watching it like i love it and then girlfriends mm-hmm. like my mom used to watch girlfriends and i was too young period. to like know really what was going on but i did rewatch it a couple maybe like a year ago and then to hear um Joan, not Joan, wow, I called her Joan, Tracy <laughs> Ross, <laughs> I'll call her by Tracy, okay. you that Tracy said they're going to be bringing it back to Netflix is amazing, so I can watch it again, but um, Girlfriends is like my top, because Period. I feel like it's perfect mm-hmm. for me to watch it now, I'm at the age, or approaching the age that they were in the show, so it's like mm-hmm. perfect in, you know, the subjects and everything that they were talking about, and plus I think the range of characters that they had was amazing. And that's, I think, a big part of how, like, Black sitcoms were so important back then because they were genuine and they were super diverse, but without it being forced and without it feeling mm-hmm. like, you know, like, this is Black, we're going to talk about Black. And, like, it was just, they were just mm-hmm. who they were, you know? Black. Yeah, right. they were just organically themselves. And it just so happened to be that mm. they were Black, you know? 
And I, I feel like right. that's what we're missing now is like everything is kind of forced and it's like, we're going to, like, you don't, we don't, we know what being black is. We live it every exactly. day. Let's just have it mm-hmm. natural. Just talk about us. Yeah, right. Talk yeah. about it. Right. I'm with that. I think also one thing that I'm like uh, revisiting these shows has made me realize is the fits. Like even that's so Raven was my like fashion inspo. Honestly, when she redid her room, I wanted to read like I thought I was going to be an interior designer. Literally, do you guys remember that episode of that's so Raven where she like redid her whole bed? She had that bed that was like hanging from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like, this might be what I need in my life. <laughs> this might be my yeah, dream. Chinese fashion was it. Her room it was, was it. in an attic too. I wanted that too. I'm like, she had her own little area in the house. Like, right. oh, I wanted her life. <laughs> it really was. It was different. It was a time, a real like special time. I think now this might be a good transition to our main convo of sort of like mm-hmm. going from having like watched those those characters and those TV shows growing up and now being an actress yourself and always really haven't been an actress really since a young age for you. What, we just want to get into your career and like what that's like and your Mm -hmm. experiences there. So I met you as Tanisha on Corey in the House. (laughs) (laughs) But you're also like currently killing it as Shuri on Wu-Tang and we just want to hear all about that and get into that I think one thing that was so beautiful about watching me or me watching you play that role on Wu-Tang was that like I know Wu-Tang through my dad and like the men in my family and in my Mm -hmm. head you know it was like it was a men's story like this is a men's group and I thought Mm -hmm. that the show was going to be that and I was so glad like to see you and the women on that show like really sort of make me rethink like what is it a is it a men's story like is hip hop his hip hop really like the birth of men you know what i mean like what role women played in sort of formulating that development and i was just first of all you did a great job and it was amazing watching you, you. but i'm also like curious like what drew you to that role and like just sort of the beginning of it all like what was the casting process like and what really just appealed to you about mm-hmm. him um just to pick up on just like about the women in the show, I think it's surprising to everybody because when you hear Wu-Tang, especially like a Wu-Tang show, you're imagining just to see the rappers as a formed group Mm. and performing already and famous already, you know, and the show is so great because it takes you before they were Wu-Tang, before they were the rappers, before they even knew who they were as just young men. And Mm. it shows, like you said, that it's not just about these young men. You know, their moms played a big role. Their sisters played a big role. Their girlfriends played a big role in helping to shape them and who they were. But, you know, you don't hear about that when a hero story. You just hear about when somebody makes it. And so I think that's why the show is really dope for season one to shine a light on how these women help to mold these men or to push them in certain areas. And I can only hope for season two that, you know, the women get more shine not just mm. me but you know the other girlfriends and uh erica who plays my mom and yes. things like that so i'm really excited to see how their stories unfold as well but the process i'll talk about the process because every process is different for each job but mm. it's all kind of the same with acting period <laughs> so Got this you. can go for courting house and this so i remember 
like so for typical auditions you audition you go in person or sometimes a self-tape right now everything is self-tape because of what's going on so right. you put yourself on tape they send you a script with well they send you size which has a certain amount of you know scenes um in it and you memorize the scene and you prepare it as best as you would playing mm. this person um, and sometimes the script is included so you can get full context or and then sometimes it's just certain scenes oh. so you go in you do your audition for Wu-Tang in particular I did a self-tape with a coach we sent it in and didn't hear anything you know but that's typically how it is like mm. I let go I let God and I go on about my life I can't mm. hold on to yeah you know like you can't hold on to things you you know if you really want something like of course you're going to want to but you can't and I think because uh, I auditioned for this in 2018, mm. in December, uh, like November, December. I had been auditioning that whole year and was so close. Like when you're about to book something, they have you do a test, which is like oh. test and meet all the producers. You meet the directors, the writers, everybody. And sometimes even a chemistry read with other characters. And so I had done about four or five tests that year, did not book anything. So I was already Damn. like on my last, mm. you know, I was on my, my wit's end. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I really am not going to harbor over anything. I'm going to just let go, let God. So I felt mm. like there wasn't that much pressure on me because I had already been through so many hoops. And things, so I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna just do what I do." But I don't really—not I don't care. I don't want to say that because I care, right. but I'm not gonna harbor. Right. So I was in Italy. <laughs> My grandmother wanted to go on a quick vacation. Okay. And so we went to Italy, and I got an email like, "We want you back. Uh, they want to see you for a call back. They want to, yes. you know, they want to see you again. So when do you get back?" And it was like, this was like two weeks later from the audition. So I kind of, you know, left my mind and all that kind of mm. stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we got to get back to America. So <laughs> I get back and it was actually just a test. They went straight to test. So that means they chose, you know, they had narrowed it down. And I remember I went in and there were a couple other uh, ladies there that I did happen to see but you know it was the, the good thing I think about now in auditions and in a like audition world I think women are more sweet to each other and nice you know you don't feel mm, like yeah. that competitive energy like I'm gonna out act you right now <laughs> sis like it's not I feel like it used to be like that when I was like a young girl you know like I felt mm. like moms would kind of pit us against each other and you would feel mm. that kind of energy as like an eight-year-old but it doesn't feel that way now that I'm you know an adult so that's dope we, you know you know we wish each other good luck and you know break a leg and I hope the you know whoever gets it gets it and peace and love so it was right. amazing energy I just went in there I met Riza, I met Alex um you know and Kim Coleman, the casting director, and we did our thing. And then, like I said, I left and I was like, we see what it is. Mm. And Period. Then, yeah. Right before Christmas, they told me I got it. It was. Hey, come on, Christmas, Christmas present. <laughs> right? We love that. That's it great. Was amazing. So I did a chemistry read with um, 
to uh, the guys who was going to play Ghostface or Dennis. They chose mm-hmm. Zeke, who you see as Ghostface. Mm-hmm. I think they did an amazing job. And here we are, a year and a half later, in season yes. two. So. Period. Congrats on season two. We are so proud of you, though. Thank you. Like, the fact that you kept at it. Honestly, you in that role, McKean already said it, but, like, you did such an amazing job. And I think what you were talking about, what McKean was saying as well with, like, how it was so good to see like the women behind the story, I think is so important. And that's not something that's talked about a lot, but also even Shuri as a character herself, as a woman who's so layered in terms of the fact that, you know, she's like so sweet and kind and caring, but also like a total badass who doesn't take anything from anybody. Or just sure. like, there's so much to her, also intelligence too. And I think also you mentioned as well um, in another interview that you did that, Shuri is actually based on not one character, but a composite of all of Riz's yes. sisters. So I know it can be like, maybe like a little bit daunting or like pressure if you're like portraying a real person. For sure. To like, you know, make sure you do it right. But how was it to be portraying multiple people? Like what did that prep process look like? Yeah, honestly, Riza has a huge family. So mm. not even just like getting the sister dynamic, but learning everybody just so I could it was cool that they allowed us to be around a lot of their family. So Mm. I met, you know, his daughter and some nieces and nephews and cousins and all that kind of stuff. Um, It felt cool to kind of be welcomed into the family as like an extended member, but it was cool meeting the family, meeting the sisters. Honestly, to this day, I've still only met one sister. Um, Really? And I really, yeah. And I really, got most of the information about the whole family dynamic from Riza and his sister Sophia um who I feel like is more of the softer side of like the Mm. character that I play that's kind of how I've divided the sisters up in who Sharia is like from what I got from Sophia was she was you know she stood up for her mom and kind of was like the mom of the family but she was Mm. also like the sweetheart and the soft one whereas their sister Cherie who you know I'm named after and everything was more like the hard ass causing arguments and like you Mm. know somebody was picking on their brother she would go beat them up so like that's like (laughs) the hard side you know that I when I have to pull that out um and honestly I'm not even sure they have so many family members I hate to say this but I'm not even sure who the third sister is I sadly haven't gotten to meet her either but I would love to continue to meet these ladies so that you know my character can progress and things right. like that mm-hmm. um but it was amazing having to sit down with Sophia because she told me the family dynamic what it was like you know for the boys and their mom and then the sisters and the mom and it really allowed me to see why there would be certain conflicts between you know the relationships and things like that so it was cool because I felt like I was sitting down learning their personal lives. It didn't really, mm. you know, like they're just telling yeah. me what it was like for them to grow up. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually going to be portraying this for the world to see. Right. So, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure I did it justice, but it was amazing because it's like, I'm getting information right from the source. I don't have to assume too much, mm. you know, like I know why yeah. they act in this way do things like that and so on and so forth right that's dope I feel like 
it's really interesting like to hear about the process someone who knows nothing about acting and has never acted beyond my little fifth grade play (laughs) but it's so interesting (laughs) to hear about like the process of like specifically when you're really like portraying real people and real stories that like actually happened and haven't sort of been created just for the screen it's interesting Mm -hmm. to like I didn't even think about you know like getting to meet his whole family and like how complex it is to like portray a family dynamic even in conversation let alone like teach someone else like here's every nuance about my family and like here's how I want you to act it out so like you did I mean I don't know what their family was like but you could have fooled me I thought it was the right one (laughs) I also you of course I know so we mentioned at the beginning in your intro you are a west coast girl LA till you die and for the show (laughs) for the show you had to film in New York in Staten Island right so what what was that like and I think when you were in New York we talked a little bit about this but like that's a big transition and I would just love to hear like what was crazy about that? What was great about that? Like, what caught you off guard? Yeah, for sure. I feel like my, um, I, I mean, I've always loved being from LA, of course, and like just the West Side in general. But I feel like it's kind of like an inside joke with all my New York friends now that they're like, oh, here she go, Little Miss LA. Like, <laughs> because when I was in New York, I'm like, oh my God, it's going outside and it's like 23 degrees and they're like that ass get a bubble coat and get used to it and I'm like this is normal for y'all like this is insane Mm -hmm. but you know it was fun as heck because I've never lived outside of LA for that long so picking up and moving to a new city for different circumstances was just like I had culture shock honestly like Mm-hmm. Yeah, New York is still in America, but it's a complete different beast. So it was mm-hmm. beautiful to, you know, learn that like your um source of public transportation is a train and like everybody walks in New York and just like mm-hmm. the mannerisms, how people mingle, like the social life, everything is a complete 180 from LA. But learning that allowed me to be open minded and learn more as well, you know, like like for instance, there is a huge um, Latin population in New York, and we also have that in LA. But the cultural difference is actually like yeah. it's a lot of Afro Latinos in um, New York, and so there's like people are more together, you know. Um, mm. And so the lines are kind of blurred, and so it's like we're all the same, you know, like we're all family. Whereas in LA, mm-hmm. like it's I guess it's because you know we have like more gang territory and things like that Mm. and we're closer to Mexico but it's like we don't have that same relation so like going out there and seeing the difference between like the people who spoke Spanish and the black people were kind of one and the same even that was a culture shock to me because I'm like it Mm. is not like that in LA like you look at somebody funny and it's like what's up you know (laughs) and I feel like it's more beautiful it's crazy but like in New York it's it's just like peace and love and like you know a lot of the population is Muslim too and so it feels more spiritual and like pro-black and just you know more welcoming and I really appreciate that and learning that kind of made me have that open heart in mind when I came back to my city and I wanted you know just the culture to be a little bit more like that but I feel Mm -hmm. like it's hard like we don't have the same you know, history and references right. for people that can just jump on that bandwagon mm. so quick. 
but I love New York. Like it's its own city. And so therefore I appreciate it for what it is. I feel like people try and like go to New York yeah. and if they're not from there and they want it to be like where they're from, like it's not, you know, you can't expect New York to be like where you're from. It's not going to be the same where people come to LA and expect it to be where they're from. Like you're coming from a rural city. This is a big city. Like either you get with it or you literally like are going to get lost. It's the same right. thing in New York, you know? So I just adapted, you know, because it's like, I'm not going to change the city. It's been like this for years. So who right. am I to step in New York and be like, oh, this is weird. Y'all do this. <laughs> but I will say that weather, I will never get used to. But it is what it is. I <laughs> like, believe just, it. Just dress for the day as much as you can. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. If it's going to rain, if it's going to be hot, the humid, snow, but get for real. Mm. For real, no, that's true. Preach, preach. I I'm originally from the Bahamas, Ooh. so I moved to New York for nice. college at Columbia. Let me tell you about my first winter. That first time being in snow, girl, I was shivering. Everybody was looking at me funny. <laughs> it was a mess. So I understand completely, a hundred percent. But yes. yeah, no. First winter in New York. If you're not from New York is a mess, but I'm glad to hear about you adapting. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still, it's been two years and I'm still struggling, but I'm really happy to hear it on your end. I feel you. Also though, speaking of first, something that we wanted to talk about as well is, you know, apparently, was this your first time filming like an on-screen sex scene for a movie? That's what we want to talk about. Give us a tea, girl. Give us all of it. We want to know. Yes. For real. Right. So, the good news is because of, I guess it's like, it's shocking actually, but, um, so we have something on set called a intimacy coordinator mm. and, um, they make sure that everybody is open, that there is consent, Period. that everybody is comfortable. Yes. Um, and also, you know, before you can do these scenes, you have to get tested, make sure you're okay, all these kinds of things. So it's really it takes time and there are a lot of precautions you know i think a lot of people think oh yeah they don't go <laughs> do it. like no it, it takes time but the crazy thing is this is a new practice i would like even speaking to erica with my mom she said uh back in the day they weren't this they didn't take these precautions mm. it was kind of like okay you have a sex scene go do right. it you know I'm pretty sure people still got tested but it was just like go do it yeah. and action which is awkward you know it doesn't set the tone it doesn't you right. know like ruins the vibe somebody and you're supposed to yeah you know it doesn't it's awkward when you're actually having an intimate uh you know relations with somebody who you might have just met so imagine doing it in front of a bunch of people and on camera right. it's like this is not normal Eesh. Um, but thankfully we have an intimacy coordinator. She's super amazing. Make sure that, you know, I'm comfortable. Sadiq is, they shut down the set. So nobody is in the room except for people who have to be. Mm. And then we have monitors mm. all over. Nobody can see the monitors except for, of course, like the director, um, producers, just anybody who needs to see it. If you're not necessary on set, you have to go mm. just to make oh, it better goodness. for everybody. So that was like the amazing part, you know, consent, comfortability, everything. But it's still <laughs> uncomfortable being on set. And, you know, for the sex scene that I had, 
we had uh, Chris Robinson as the director who also directed, you know, plenty of music videos and ATL and everything. And he's so cool, but he goes, I need y'all to remember you're having sex. Like (laughs) y'all are just quiet, laying there, it's awkward. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. He's like, y'all have had sex, right? Like you kind of have to do that right now. (laughs) So it was funny considering, you know, Sadiq and I were just kind of like, we, we had met each other and we'd hung out a little bit, but it was our first week of filming and we're both basically naked and like doing different positions, doing a different takes like all this kind of stuff you know and so it was definitely awkward at first but then you realize like this is my job at the end of the day <laughs> um and so I'm just going to forget about all the exterior things going on and just do my job because also they're not making a sex movie so I know this theme can only last right. right so it's like you know I know to narrow it down um and then it, it was cool the <laughs> Also, it was just, like, awkward watching it, you know, at the premiere and, like, my parents. Mm, that's what I want to know. I want to know, like. Yeah. How did that go? How did your parents watching it go? Yeah. I mean, everybody, it's funny, like, most of my family, like, my mom's side of the family, we're pretty mature and grown and have conversations. So they were like, okay, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, like. <laughs> Everybody else was like, at first when I saw you kiss him, I was like, oh, so soon, don't be doing that. And then they continued watching, they said, then we saw you getting it on. I was like, I can't. The TV. I was like, oh my gosh, well, y'all, I'm grown and I had to do what I had to do. But, you know, it's cool. Like, everybody understands that it's part of my job and maybe skip that scene if you don't want to see it that much. <laughs> it, it only lasts that long. Yeah, keep it pushing. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is, but it was, it was definitely funny. Mm. I could never, I was like thinking about like, you when it happened in the first episode, I was like, hold on, the first episode, was the first episode. I was like, okay, I know. She, she grown or whatever, I like, <laughs> I had to turn my volume down because I was watching it on the TV, I was like, oh my god. Oh my, right? so oh my lord have mercy. You did what you had to do, girl. And we, we were here for it. We were living. Sure, <laughs> no, Dennis, thank you, thank I thought you were cute. I'm not gonna lie. That was so cute. That <laughs> thank was one of my you. favorite parts of the I show. you were adorable. <laughs> thank you. Well, now let's move a little bit into like, well, as we mentioned, you've been acting for a minute. Was I don't know how old you were when you started, but it's it's been a long time. Yes. Most of your life, am I right? Yes. So like, what was it like acting as a child like was being an actress always like the dream for you is that you know or what was yeah what was that like what was the growth like how is being an actress now compared to like your experiences when you were little for sure I think not to get deep but yes um <laughs> I, feel like I was you know everybody is brought to this earth for a purpose and I feel like my purpose was always to um perform or to share my talents and to give back in some way even if that is using my talents you know and my grandmother would always tell me like God gave you these talents he wants you to use them like he wouldn't give you tools Mm. for no reason so I always was into public speaking like in elementary school I did what we had it was called a pep competition so I would do monologues all the time I would do 
poetry. I would learn Langston Hughes as a young girl and like James Baldwin, all okay. this kind of stuff. Literally okay. like in elementary school, I competed awesome. every year. And then, you know, we had school plays. I would always be doing school plays. We had choir um, and glee club. Like I literally did all of that stuff growing up. And then I grew up in the church. My grandmother made sure I spoke at church. I performed at church. Mm. Like everything that the children were doing at church, I was there. So I already mm. had that experience outside of um like acting as a job. So when it came down to doing it on camera, I already was familiar and I wasn't really shy. Like as a little girl, I didn't know that I was working. I mean, I knew like I was going on set, you know, but it didn't feel like a job. Right. I was just like, I'm performing mm. today, you know, like yeah. I'm doing a commercial where I'll be doing this or I'm doing a movie where I'll be playing like this, you know, in a family dynamic and those right. kinds of things. But it wasn't like I'm acting, you know, I was having fun right. and like learning mm-hmm. new things. I'm meeting new people. I'm around a whole bunch of adults and other children mm. and things like that. So it was an amazing experience. And I still was able to be a little girl because you still legally have to go to school. You can only work a certain amount of hours. And then I would go to actual right. school when I wasn't working. Um, but as I got older, I started to... I would say when I turned a teenager, I realized it's not, it's not about just being cute anymore. Like I'm not going to diminish what I think I naturally have. And so I definitely, you know, was great as a little girl, just with energy, charisma, personality, but it's more than just that, you know, it's, are Mm. you speaking? Are you doing the work? Are you, you know, really doing the work. And so it wasn't until I got older, maybe like 17, 18, where I really faced my fears, like amongst myself and was like, do you want to take this seriously? Like I had taken workshops and classes before, but I felt like none of them suited me. And it was still like teenage kind of stuff. You know, I felt like they were still treating us like kids. I'm like, Dakota Fanning has been doing serious work since she was five years old. Like, doing right. like kidnapping scenes and stuff like mm-hmm. that like why are we doing childish Dang. stuff you know like I'm trying to learn things like that yeah. so it wasn't until I was about 17 18 that I really started to take workshop classes serious acting classes mm. and then I really learned that in this day and age it's not just about um just acting like there is an entire business right. side that comes with it that you have to be prepared for if you would like to be successful, you know, you can't, there's a full, you know, like like there's a lot that goes into it. And so you have to know every aspect or else you're going to be out of the loop. Um, and so mm. I think that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize. Cause I didn't even realize it at one point, you know, I was thinking, Oh yeah, I've got raw talent. Like, you know, sometimes you speak out of fear and not knowing. So you're like, I have raw talent. Like I'm going to be good. That's right. true, but you still have to practice that craft and hone it in and really do the work to mm. get to where you want to be. And so it wasn't until I started to do that mm-hmm. and broaden my horizons that I started to see results and the results that I wanted, you know. Um, yeah. So putting my money where my mouth was and really doing the work and not just, you know, waiting mm-hmm. for somebody else to hand it to me, but also showing Right. I've done the work. And if you would like to work with me, like here's 
what it's going to be like, you know? So it really is. Period. It takes, yeah, it's 50-50 effort, you know? Yeah. So We love it. When you first got started, were there any people that you, like, really, really looked up to in the industry? Or did you have, like, maybe a dream co-star or anything like that? As a little girl, definitely Raven Simone was, like, who I wanted to be through and through. I mean, she sang, she danced, she had a, her own show in movies, and she had been doing it since she was a little girl. So I literally was like, I am Raven Simone. <laughs> like, I wanted to be her more than anything. But also, I just thought that she was a trailblazer and, like, super talented, you know. Okay. She literally was, like, taking the media by right like from Cosby show to Cheetah Girls you know so she was in charge yes I have we love so much respect for her um but I feel like a lot of I think seeing a lot of adult black actors take on roles that I couldn't fathom or just like you know, being in crazy scenes and scenarios, I just look up to all of them. I mean, I think Viola Davis is amazing. I think Carrie Washington is amazing. I think, of course, Will Smith, even Jamie Foxx. Like, I've been going back into um, just looking at his career. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jamie Foxx was full-blown, like, just a fool. Like, hilarious, For real. great comedian. But he can play some serious roles. Like, mm-hmm. that is so inspiring to see the duality of you know, him and certain people's careers, how they can really balance it and do like serious things and comedic things. And then if you take it outside of acting, they can do acting and they can do singing right. or they can do acting and directing, you know, like all these different uh, mm-hmm. arms that they can, you know, have right. and like put their eggs in different baskets is what I mean mm-hmm. to say. The love versus yes. so <laughs> that's really what's impresses me because it it inspires me and shows me that like I love acting I always want to do it but if I want to put my eggs in different baskets I can it's just do the work like that's all you have to do is do the work mm. apply that pressure and you can be successful like look at our you know the people who have opened the doors for us to do before right us, so Period. I think like Period. that was a great. We, we do believe in you, you. Zoli, Miss Director, Zoli, Miss. You can do it all. Whatever you want to do, you, you. want to tap dance. We go support Ms. dancer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Speaking of the like versatility, I think that's one thing. Even that I admired about Raven, like not as someone who wanted to be in her shoes, but just as like as I was learning of like the type of person that you can be and like the nuance that you can have. I think both in her character, like on the show, but also like in her practice of like, she was singing, she was fashion designing on the show. She was doing this, that, and the third. And I was just like, whoa, like you saw, and it wasn't like you said it, like they didn't hide the work that it went in. I'm thinking about those episodes of That's So Raven where she like was designing the outfits and then got turned away because she was black and like all of that and how she persevered and like how important that was to see just the range of like possibility and like what I can be if I so dream and like put in the work like so I think that's a great point and I'm also thinking like like Jamie Foxx and like all the other greats who have like had so many types of roles and have sort of played so many different types of characters in their career spans is there like a dream like character that you'd love to play or is there like a genre that you've yet to like try out whether as an actress or a director or whatever capacity that you would love to try out Definitely. Um, I always say I would like to 
be similar to Bianca Lawson as mm. far as career wise because I feel like Fountain of Youth herself. Thank you. Fountain of Youth. She can still play like a 20 year old or eat like 18 if she wanted. And when I look up, I feel like she's in everything. Like, I'm like, dang, you were in this. Yeah, were, and I'm like, I don't know how old you are. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is recent or this is old because you look so good and you're in everything. And I also respect her a lot because you don't ever hear about her in the media or anything negative or nothing bad all you see is the work it speaks for itself she has done everything and so I really admire her for that and respect her for that and I also really love um and I think is inspiring Issa Rae like she literally was doing her YouTube for a decade before you know, people started to recognize her for her brilliance. And now she's literally taking HBO by storm and her career Mm -hmm. by storm. I mean, not only is she bringing herself up, but if you look around, everybody on HBO is having their own segment or show or spinoff or whatever. And I feel like it has a large part to do with her and her influence. And so Mm -hmm. I really want to not just model my acting career after one person or a specific person because of the amount of roles that they've played, but also the doors that they've opened for other people mm-hmm. and, you know, the different opportunities that they were able to take on and things like that. So I have really molded my, like the things I want to achieve after seeing these different people, you know, and avenues opening up. So like I said, one day I would love to produce or direct my own project to where I can bring other black women, other black men and just, you know, young people on board and give people mm. who feel like they didn't have an opportunity or whatever, just to give them that spotlight because that's why I think it's going to get us true progress is like, cool, I'm making my way. How do I right. bring everybody else with me? Like the family mm. is only going to eat mm-hmm. if you bring them with you and you know continue to open the doors for everybody else. It's not like, oh I've made it cool. Shut the door so nobody else can make it. Like it's not like that. There's enough room for yeah. everybody to have a plate and a seat at the table. So that's the only way we're going to, you know, continue to make that progress. Hey. I love that. No, I love the everybody eats attitude. Because I feel like, like you were saying earlier, the whole competitiveness or like only this amount of people can succeed. Like there's enough room for everybody at the top, for everybody to be successful. So I think that's so important to like bring people along with you on the journey. Also, what you were saying about not putting yourself in a box, because like we said, you could do anything as long as you put the work Mm -hmm. in. And I think the whole idea of putting in the work in itself is something in and of itself in terms of like you know sometimes we see you know these actresses on the screen and we're like oh this is such like a glamorous Mm. life or whatever or you know it's so cool to be in like these movies and sometimes you don't really hear about all the work that goes into it or about you know what's happening behind the scenes so I think the fact that you are so real about that is so important especially to anyone who's looking up to you or like aspiring to be in the industry I think with like getting real, I think if you had to pick, what do you think are maybe your favorite and least favorite things about the career, about being in the industry? Definitely. I think the most 
what I love is the opportunity it brings. So the opportunity to meet new people, the opportunity to travel, the opportunity to even learn within myself because I'm playing different characters and like unlocking different things. And it's even shown me, you know, I'm, I see myself as very confident, but sometimes I'm like, you're no, like sometimes, you know, you don't know everything and you Mm. do have that fear sometimes in you because you don't know what you're capable of. So I love that it brings out so many different sides of myself and allows me to not just think about myself in the world that I'm in, in the point of view that I might have. Um, So I'm allowed Mm. to see the world for really what it is. Um, What I'm not too fond of is, and I think this is more so like just maybe the industry in itself is one the closed-mindedness of like bringing on new things Mm. like I feel like a lot of big corporations and people who give the green light to a lot of things are afraid that um you know newcomers don't know what they're talking about or don't know what they're doing so they Mm. might shun you know how black people on Twitter constantly like giving new suggestions about like what kind of shows we want to see right. in movies and all those kinds of things. And it's like, they're being written and they're being pitched, but a lot of companies and things don't want to fund them because mm. they're nervous that it's not going to be successful. They think it's not going to be watched, you know? So right. it's like, as much as people are asking for it, it's not being made because you know, money is going into what's already been done. Like they keep doing the same stuff over and over Mm. again. And it's like, we want new stuff. And also just sometimes like the inappropriateness of the industry, you know, as we're hearing like the Me Too movement Mm. and pedophilia and all those kinds of things. Like truthfully, I have not endured things on that level. Thankfully, I'm blessed and appreciative but mm. I know that it's happening. I know that it's going on, you know? And so right. like, that is pretty disturbing that people are taking desperate people who want to be successful in the industry, whether it's singing or acting or dancing or whatever. And they're taking people's desires and warping it and manipulating it into abusing them. Like that's sick. And it kind of gives the industry a bad rep too. It's like, you know, you're thinking like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm being, I'm more successful and stuff, you know, I'm going to meet like maybe my favorites and working with directors and actors and all these kinds of people. And then you really get to meet them. And it's like, damn, you're not who I thought or you didn't live up to the expectations or, you know, you hear about something on the Me Too movement, movement or just something that goes against your morals and now you're turned off, you know, and now you don't have the same love and respect. So that's something that I'm coming to terms with, but it is what it is because like I said, more doors are opening up for those people who are hungry mm. and who do have proper morals. So yes. Hey. Yes. We love I like the optimism and I like I think the point that you made about Twitter, I feel like Twitter pitches a a hit show daily. I'm Great thinking idea. even of yes. like that one photo of Lupita and Rihanna on the side of that runway. Do you guys remember that? And they were like, please give us a movie where, like, they're agents and they work together. And it was, like, a whole plot. And they they said, you know, like, we're going to make a movie about it and, like, da 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 But I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if anyone with power is listening to this. But please, please make it happen. Zoli better make it happen. 
I'm telling you, like, people are trying to make it happen. Black creatives are trying to make it happen. I've seen it. Like, I've auditioned for things that'll be in the works. And then right when it's about to go to that last final stage, it's like, mm. we couldn't get the funding. We have to stop it. Or, you know, mm. they said no, they didn't think you'd be successful. So it's hard. Like, like the stuff that you do see, I'm like, I'm glad it's being made, but there's right. so many other projects that just are getting turned down. So mm. ah, on process. that note of like the, the up and coming, the, those who listen and might like have a dream of being an actress, but like, just don't know. And like, I've never known what advice would you give to them? And is like, is there anything that you wish you knew before you started that, you know, now, um, I think like I mentioned before, don't don't let your fears get in the way of your dreams. Like I think for a long time I feared having to take a class because it was like a little thing, like a fear of like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to be in front of a bunch of people like messing up possibly or not doing well or judging, mm. you know. I was taking acting classes. I was the youngest person in the room. I was 18 years old and all my, you know, co-stars, I guess you could say, in the room were like 30 and up. And so mm. that was mind boggling too, because I'm like, you know, they've been doing this for longer than me. They might be judging me. They might be thinking. And sometimes I'd be the only black person in the room too. So it's like, I've got a lot of kind of anxiety up here, but it's like, but you're going to have to perform in front of people anyway. So mm. you have to face that fear. Like, and, you know, yeah, you will get that opportunity that is perfect for you. But if you're not prepared, then it doesn't matter, you know. So don't be afraid to do the extra mile. Like, if you want to go to school for it, don't be afraid to. Or if you want to read up on it, like, you know, different acting methods and all that kind of stuff, taking workshops, taking classes, like, do that stuff. And also, if you want to create stuff and you feel like, you know, you don't have to wait for like a big movie producer or production to see you to mm. achieve your goals. Mm. Like, I think the biggest lesson I've learned and my friends and I talked about recently is use your resources that are right before you. Like people always think, oh, I'm a get on and then I'm a work with the biggest, hottest people. Like, why don't you use your friends? Like mm. your friend that wants to be a camera person there, they can literally be the videographer. Your right. friend who wants to get into writing, they can literally help you write a script. Like you have your resources closest to you. Just bring them in, and, like work mm -hmm. on a project. Like YouTube is there. Vimeo is there. Like everything is right there at our fingertips. Just do it. Like I remember in high school, I have a group of friends that literally we're writing and directing and we're doing all these small films, uh, you know, as extracurricular activities. And I had no idea this was going on. Like I was blown away, but we had a film festival in school and my friends were making crazy ass dope ass movies that I had no mm. idea was like going on. <laughs> and, you know, they're still doing it. And some of them had made it to the Sundance festival and like, you know, they're making strides just from doing home movies that they were doing back in high school. And now you know, they're adults in like getting deals and things like that. So, you know, maybe you feel like you're not being noticed now in the audition world or in the industry, but it's like you can still be noticed by just mm. doing the work and linking up with your friends. So you really, there is no excuse. Like I right. understand 
if you're afraid, but get over the fear and just do the work and go for it. Like, and it's fun, you know, once you get over that irrational fear, it's fun. And you're like, I'm Mm. glad I did that. I learned something new. It was uncomfortable, but now I'm a new person. So it's only uncomfortable for so long. Right. That's dope. Period. No, all the points, all the points were made. I think especially with what you're talking about, like, like we said, everybody eats. So I think people tend to not think about the resources that they have at their disposal. And I think with thinking about like, you know, advice for like people who want to be up and coming as like screenwriters or as actresses, like get your friends together and make a project. And I feel like in the age of the internet that we're in now, like you said, with Mm. YouTube, with Vimeo, like don't be afraid to like put something out there and get discovered. Like I'm thinking about all the people who are like even making like those short TikTok films or whatever. And some of them are like blowing up and they're like getting deals off of that. So honestly, anyone listening, don't be afraid to get on it. Zoli said herself, (laughs) you got the inside scoop from Zoli. She gave you all the facts. And like producers and directors and writers, they are all online watching. Like you Mm -hmm. might not think it, but I mean, even though sometimes it's not the best because sometimes people do be stealing ideas, (laughs) but they are looking, they are watching, they are, you know, trying to hire people, all that kind of stuff. So social media really is, can be your best friend if you use it the right way, you know? Period. No, awesome. And I think thinking about, more I guess a little inside scoop from Zoli on your experiences thinking about what you were saying like again you've been on a very big range of sets and like the projects that you've done is there or has there been any difference between being on maybe a majority black show or majority black set versus being in a on a white set or in those white spaces that you found for sure I think it's it comes down to things like as simple as the stylist the makeup artist, their stylist, you know, like doing Wu-Tang, they were like, don't worry. We are going to make sure that your hair is protected. Like whatever you Mm. feel comfortable with, whatever you don't, like we got it. Um, Same. I mean, honestly, my makeup artists are white, but they're dope as hell. They're open-minded and they know what they're doing, you know? So it, it really just depends. Like, um, I think the big difference though is just, we feel like we are comfortable because most of the people around us look like us and understand us, you know? And because the show Mm. is so black, like it's a bunch of black people in a black ass state. We're in New York, like you know, um, we're, we're welcoming other races into our Mm. world. You know, it doesn't feel like we're being introduced to their world. It's like, this is what it's like. So, you know, we do say nigga, and sometimes the guys are like, you know, a ghetto hot ass mess, but that is who they are, and, and nobody's gonna, you know, like, yeah, it's like, you can't say anything, like, this is our world, this is how we are, so it's either you get with it, or you can get lost, or and you, you can go to another out. set, like, there's, yeah, like, there's nothing wrong with that, because if this makes you uncomfortable, there is a set out there for you that, you know, you mm-hmm. can work at that you maybe you feel better. So, like I said, it's dope to know that we are the majority. And so we feel comfortable amongst ourselves. And, you know, uh, also RZA and everybody is really open-minded and welcoming. And they listen to us if we do or don't like certain things. And it's just nice to have somebody who looks like you as a higher up. So you don't feel like, damn, they're not listening and they don't get it because, you know, 
they don't mm-hmm. have, they don't get it. So it's it's dope to have somebody who like just understands so that when you're saying what it is that you right. like changed or whatever, whatever, that they're like, okay, cool, like mm-hmm. we get it. Um so it's just good to have somebody like right. I understand. That's, that's what's up. And I feel like that's the part of representation that we we talk about representation as like a visual thing, but we don't talk about it as like there, it's such a big yeah. deal about like who's Internal. in the room that's setting the culture of this whole space of this whole environment like who's setting the tone and I mean back to the Ellen show controversy like it really matters who's at the top and it everything trickles mm-hmm. down like if things aren't right yeah. at the top and if things don't look like me or feel like comfortable for me at the top they're not going to feel comfortable anywhere so I feel like that's a great point about like the, exactly. the way that you guys were able to exist and I'm sure that only helps strengthen the story you know what I mean like if they had y'all film a Wu-Tang show exactly. with, like, all white directors, all white cast, all white everything, it would have been, like, is this Wu-Tang? Wu-Tang! Different right. <laughs> exactly. Like, Wu-Tang. and sometimes we did have white directors who would come in and they would have suggestions, you know, um, and just even directors who weren't from America, so they right. don't understand, like, our culture and things like that, like, American culture and Black American culture. And so, you know, the guys would be, like, Although I do respect you as a director, I'm going to be honest, that's mm. not authentic. That doesn't make sense. Here that you. would throw off the show. And so it's like when you have people like Riz at the top and people like Alex, who he's not black, but he's, you know, a person of color and he's from New York. It's like you have people backing you and they're like the boys mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes me or whoever, we can make those calls because it's like they know that they trust us and we just, you know, right. we know what's authentic and what makes sense versus like an outside voice trying to come in. And you can't tell guys from New York, like how to right. be New York. Like, like how you going to tell me? <laughs> they're as authentic <laughs> as it gets. You know, like how you going to tell them? So, you know, it's that's what's cool. up. I think like on that note and sort of one final question about like the entertainment world and what you see for the future of it. Like what are some concrete like changes that the industry as a whole can make to sort of ensure that sets don't feel like isolating to people of color or like whether they're majority black or not like that everyone is comfortable to sort of be authentic in those spaces I think everybody should literally just like (laughs) and this is so it's so simple but that's literally all it is like it could be so Mm. simple if everybody was just authentically themselves and would allow others to be that way as well you know like as a, as like different races and cultures, we don't all act the same. We don't all speak the same, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I feel like it would be really important on set to be like, do you feel comfortable having, you know, like this kind of hairstylist on set or makeup artist or just, you know, asking people what their preferences are and what they would feel more comfortable with sometimes and allowing the actors or whoever who is going to be portraying certain things Mm. or working amongst a certain group, like what would you prefer? Um, And what's cool for you? Because sometimes you're on set, like we were on set for five months. So it's like, I'm really going to get to know y'all. I really want to make sure I'm comfortable with everybody, you know? Um, And so just asking people what they would prefer Mm. and not to have it like so um monitored or you know to feel judged because there aren't people that look like you or understand you around so 
and make sure that you have a genuinely diverse set and that it makes sense and not just doing it for brownie points or right. for show, but like make sure you do the the research the right way and not just like, okay, we got a black, this box, right. and, um, a black hairstyle. Yeah, we're going to check this box. Literally. So everybody's good, right? Because <laughs> sometimes not all uh, skin folk are skin folk as That's well. It. So it's like making <laughs> sure that it's genuine. That is on period. <laughs> genuine, authentic. We're not trying to be a diversity box that you just tick and go about your day. So love that. Amen. <laughs> Period. Points were made. Everything is said. (laughs) So wrapping it up a little bit now with the, you know, this amazing conversation we just had about the entertainment industry. Just closing off, we just want to know more about you and what you got going on. So we wanted to mention to you, you know, we were so, so proud of you with that project you put together for your birthday with the grab and go Inglewood. We would love to hear more about that. And also just on top of that, like, what else do you got going on? Where else can we expect to see you? What are you looking forward to? Just give us the tea. Yes. For sure. Um, <laughs> I was just on Instagram because that's what we all typically do. And I found this page called it's ALT as an alternative Chicago. Mm. And they started like an alternative market um, where people can, they just, you know, set up supplies and people can just take them as they need. And I was like, that is so amazing. And it's so simple. Like mm. they just got some wood and got some, you know, just like uh, shells and things like that to place things on. And they did it. I'm like, and I have the means and I feel like I have the privilege to do mm. so. Why not do so? Um, and so thankfully, I also have friends who are also privileged enough to assist me in these times and so I was like look if you can help friend or not please do as you pray if you would like to um and so I just felt like Inglewood was a city that sometimes gets looked over and needs a little bit of love Mm -hmm. and you know I've lived in Inglewood for some time in my life you know being from LA I've lived in like every part of the city that there is and so I just wanted to give back to one of the communities that I love and just to help the people out and it's been so cool like I go over there and drop off donations or just go to hang out and people will walk by and like ask what's going on ask if they can donate yeah. you know or just thankful that it's being done and it, it's not about the praise it just feels good to get on that community right. level and see people's faces you know because I've been in the house for some months yeah. now so just having that social interaction has been rewarding enough and like to see people that need it has been rewarding enough. And like, you know, I think it's also been cool to have my friends come out and also do the same thing and they get the same reaction from people and things like that. And it's been bringing the community together. That's beautiful. And so that has been really rewarding. Um, and uh yeah, like I said, and hopefully it's inspired other people to do the same. Like people have been reaching out, like, I don't want to take your idea, but can I do it? And I'm like, please do it. Like, this was not my idea. You know, I got it from somebody else. So like, hopefully it continues to grow and everybody does a grab and go and everybody does um, the free food fridges that you yes. guys have probably been seeing too all over the nation. So it's sad that our government won't do it for mm. us, but because they won't, the people have to step right. in and do it. And so if that's what it means to bring us together and let a little bit of individualism go so we can come as a community, I think, why not do it? I love it. And then yes. 
personally, I'm really appreciative that before quarantine started, I was able to do a project um, in December and January. So I do have like a really cool movie coming out. I don't know when. Because of everything, right? Because of everything going on. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be in theaters, but I'm not sure now. But it's called Arch Enemy. Um, And it's like, it's like a twist on Max Fury type of movie. Mm. So it's like sci-fi action. I'm playing a really cool character. Her name is Indigo. I won't go too much into it, but I think it's going to be a really dope movie. And yeah, it's just something different. Like it's kind of in the, we were supposed to go to Comic-Con this year. Mm. Didn't happen, unfortunately, but I thought it was really cool because I've always wanted to get into that world. Um, and didn't know how or where I would see myself, you know, and this was the perfect opportunity. So, like I said, it's just another great, uh, like, opportunity to meet new people Mm -hmm. and a new perspective and a new point of view that I might not have, you know, before doing it. So I'm really excited for that to come out. And just continuing to do the humanitarian work and the community work, because I feel like that's what has brought me a great sense of purpose right now is working and doing the community work, you know, like getting back to the basics. Right. Um, so that's a beautiful those thing. Those are what matters. That's me. so beautiful. And also mm-hmm. give us Afrofuturism with this role. I'm ready for it. I'm not a Comic Con girl myself, <laughs> but listen, I'm going to be there. And if y'all make me pay for it on Netflix, I will. If it's just, it's just like Mulan, if we it's will. extra $30, Most I don't care if it's a movie theater or not. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> so we can't wait for that. Um, yeah, thank you. Of course. I think so too. Like to have like a black girl in this world of like Comic Con and sci-fi, I think it's definitely dope. Because it's not just me. I have a little brother too. So it's two black people mm-hmm. in a different world. So definitely dope. That's beautiful. Well, thank okay. you. This was amazing. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the tea for the realness. I think. The one thing I really appreciate about you and I think people will appreciate about this episode is you just keep it real. It feels, you know, like when you watch interviews with your actresses that you look up to, it's always like, yeah, well, that's amazing. And <laughs> like, yeah, I tried out and I got it and that was it. But I think like we really appreciate the honesty and like the transparency with the process and like the work that you put in. Like, it's not no like I made it happen and it just happened. It's like, no, I worked for months and then I made that happen. So I really, really appreciate that. And we're so glad to have had you here today. Before we wrap things up, we just want to close with the like thing that are bringing us joy real quick. So for me, I had to think today because it's been a week and I could not really immediately think of something bringing me joy. But I just started rereading Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon. And that is bringing me like really feeding my spirit. Toni Morrison has just, you know, a way with words and like telling stories that just make books feel like you know like once I'm reading this it's like nothing else is going on so that's been bringing me a lot of joy this week for sure how about something that's bringing you joy Zoli definitely cooking learning new recipes like I love to cook and like I said getting back to the basics so just honing in that skill and being a plant mom I'm like trying to take care of my plants I'm trying to start a garden all that (laughs) kind of stuff so that's been bringing me immense joy McKean in the garden Oh, that's so cute. I do love to garden. If you ever got any questions, <laughs> I'm I got you. I'm going to hit you up because I do. So that's perfect. For real. We love that. <laughs> For me, okay, McKean 
burst my bubble before this episode started <laughs> because <Sorry. laughs> I saw a tweet that said that SZA was coming out with a new album. Yes. And I'm not going to lie, I did not read all of it. Apparently it was fake. Apparently it was oh. a rumor. So I was like, oh. Wait, but now I don't know. Don't take my word. Don't take my I, word. I don't see that, but yeah. The thing that's bringing me joy is I started re-listening to Control. And when it first came out, I didn't have, like, Apple Music, so I could only, like, listen to the songs that were, like, the most popular. And I still love them, don't get me wrong, but I never heard, like, Gogina or Normal Girl or any of those. So I listened to those for, like, the first time. And, like, i just been, like, really listening. And I have, like, so many good memories associated with that album. So I've just been living. I'm just here for it. So That's good. I'm loving that for you. Honestly, that month, my monthly revisit to control is like what keeps me going. Every month is like, oh, let me, I haven't listened yet. Like, let me go back. <laughs> so I'm glad you finally got you some Gojina. And thanks to y'all for listening to today's episode. That is all we have for you. Um, special thanks to Zoe for being our amazing guest this week. Thank you, McKean. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> of course. Go check her out. Gas her up on Instagram. Her ad name is at Zoe G. And if you have anything else to plug, the people should keep an eye on or is Instagram the place? Yeah, Instagram and IMDb. And I'll let y'all know when it happens. <laughs> Period. Period. Zoli, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Everyone, go watch Wu-Tang and American Saga on Hulu. ASAP if you have not watched it already and also make sure to tune into next week's episode where McKean and I are going to be having a little conversation just getting honestly like real and honest about this whole thing where you have to have your life figured out in your early 20s and just breaking that down and saying like what that's like and how it's not true and just a bunch of tea we're just gonna spill it all next week so for real tune into that yeah so in the meantime keep up with us on instagram at black girl blueprint where you can send us any questions or discussion topics or whatever you want to share with us you can also reach us by email blackgirlblueprint at gmail.com and if you like this episode please let please let us know by subscribing giving us a review telling your friends telling your mama tell your aunties tell everybody and we'll see you next week bye everyone bye everybody see you next week bye